views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Are you ready to stop stress, anxiety, and low self-esteem from ruining your life? Join award-winning author and breakthrough expert Dr. Friedman Schaub for Empowerment Radio as he addresses some of the most difficult challenges in our day-to-day lives. Find out how you can use the power of your mind to overcome self-sabotaging patterns and build a solid foundation of confidence and self-respect. Learn cutting-edge tools to switch out of survival mode and approach every day with greater ease, joy, and purpose. Here is your host on Empowerment Radio, Dr. Friedman Schaub. Welcome to Empowerment Radio. Thank you for tuning in and for taking the time to just learn, listen, and uh, make also some contributions to this hour of empowerment. Now, before we go to today's topic and to my special guest, I want to just vent for a second about this fifth episode of Games of Thrones, which was absolutely terrible and a heartbreaker, and I can't believe what happened. And I think a lot of you feel the same way. Now, today I read an article about uh, a woman who wrote that this was typical that uh, men were once again depicting the woman, the, the main heroine, as someone who is mentally instable, incapable of uh, being the queen that she was uh, actually by everyone believed to be and basically dismantled her entire uh, identity and everything that we all have rooted for and hoped for. And I have to agree. I think it was a huge mistake. And uh, I don't know how the last episode can fix it. So personally, I'm heartbroken, but it fits perfectly also into today's topic which is about the divine feminine power and how it is completely different to what the masculine power is. And it's also something that's really needed in this world. Now, I guess I was lucky, or you can call it this way, because I'm white, I'm a man, I was born in the West, and so I should not really complain, and I don't. But As sad as it is, when you really look at the state of the world, we are pretty much one minute before midnight. And this has a lot to do with what white male in the world, the patriarch, have done to the earth, have done to human mankind. So it's not overly harsh to say that the biggest problems in the world, whether it's climate issues, whether it's about the the uh, complete um, inequality of wealth, whether it's about the shortage of water, all those things that we are dealing with are basically created by the drive, the greed, that desire to compete and succeed that men men have been um, entertaining themselves with for many, many years. And in many ways, you know, there is now the time that, well, maybe women should be asked 
about how can we get out of this mess? What can we do to fix it? Is there a way to fix it? Because women certainly have a different opinion, a different approach, a different way of, uh, of engaging with life. But rather than asking women, well, right now what's happening, there is a war on women. Women get more and more suppressed. Women get more and more taken advantage of. The latest uh, anti-abortion uh, law in Alabama just shows basically women get pushed to the sideline. But they are no longer willing to be pushed to the sideline. I think the election showed it. The 2016 election showed it. I think, I mean, sorry, the 2018 election showed it. I think it showed also that, uh, you know, now there is just a greater movement of empowerment, like the Me Too movement, and uh, more voices are coming out that women are no longer being uh, ignored. They can no longer be pushed to the sidelines. And so that's why today's show is so important. And for me also uh, really heartfelt to have someone who is an expert in the divine feminine power on the show. And I'm talking about Dr. Kate Sullivan, who is the author of several books, but two of them that we want to talk about are The Legends of the Grail and The Heroines of Avalon. Now, what's so interesting about her work is, is that she is really going back to the mythologies of the Celts and the Irish and, and looks for the teachings of those goddesses and heroines that were revered at that time and what they can now help us with in this time to resurrect the divine feminine. So without further ado, I want to welcome and thank you so much for being on the show and taking your time to talking with us. Thank you for having me. It's a great topic. Well, yes. And it's a very, I think, important topic, especially right now that we are in this kind of you know, choice point in our life and especially also with the 2020 election. But I wonder if you can tell us, do you feel that there is a war on women going on? It's a good, it's a good question. I, you know, 35 years ago when I started my, my quest to find the face of the divine feminine, um, I didn't feel there was a war so much. I felt that we'd just been completely ignored. And I was thrilled to find these stories. And uh, at the time, I was, I was at King's College London, and my, my mentor, I wanted to write th these stories then. And this was in the late 80s. And she said, oh, you'll ruin your reputation. You can't do this. And so uh, over a period of time, my, my children said, Mom, you really, really have to publish these stories because my my generation needs them. So I, maybe I just had to wait until <laughs> until now to bring them out. Um, and you know, things have changed. When when I was studying it, I did a lot of research. Back then, you had to go to libraries to do research, right? Um, yeah. Back, you know, and I would go to Trinity College, and there were lots of busts of white men, and I did wonder what I was doing there. Um, but I also felt that it was really important to follow in the footsteps of Lady Gregory and some of the great, the great women and, and remember something of the past. So, so really the most empowering stories about the feminine are, are pre-Celtic 
back to the times of the Tuatha de Dunan. Um, so uh, is there war against women? There's, I think what's happening, I have a slightly different take on it. Um, you know, I think there probably was a matriarchal age. Um, and I do have a timeline, a her story at, at the back of Heroines of Avalon. Um, so we're currently in what people call the culture of death and what the goddess represents is life. And so I feel that what we're actually at is a tipping point where we, we see if we're in a culture of death, if we keep harming each other, if we don't support each other, if we don't support the earth, if we don't think our bodies are important, we don't think... Um, the elements were important, then the planet, we can do that. So we found that the experiment has failed. And so that's why in a way it's wonderful to reach back in time and say there were these people, and, and we see it in indigenous cultures everywhere. There were people that knew how to live in alignment with the earth. They knew how to walk lightly here. They knew how to support each other. The men and women knew how to dance together. That's a culture of life. And that's, that's really what I've been interested in. And, and um, so if you're really doing culture of life, if you're really working with the goddess, what I love about her is she has a huge pot and she stirs her pot, her grail, her cauldron, her, and everything's in there. So she's all accepting. So it's hard to have a war against somebody who accepts it all. Hmm. Well, that's a beautiful perspective. And, uh, you know, it's a very hopeful perspective. So... Obviously, you know, from your perspective, you do believe there is hope for us to actually listen again to that, what is the divine feminine or what is, you know, the, the teachings of the past that can help us to maybe change our relationship to our bodies, to nature, to the earth in general. So you, you have a rather hopeful view still. I do. It doesn't, it doesn't go along with what's in the newspapers, but, but I believe we have the possibility, we have the chance to step into a golden age if we, if we, do, if we can. If, but it requires a shift of mindset, a, a belief system. So it actually does require that we hold hands and that we work together. And if we can make that shift, we could do something beautiful here on this planet. Now, what do you, I mean, you, you mentioned that, you know, the, the, many of the answers that you find are in the past. Now, just to, to get uh, an idea of that past. So how came uh, the women at that past into the position of being revered and listened to and being the leaders? And what did the, the men at that time do differently than the men now? Well, if you look a little bit like Merlin, I would say you might carry a Merlin archetype <laughs> and, and you're in France, understand. And I think Merlin really liked France. <laughs> I know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if we, if we follow the people of the Merlin, the, the Merlin, the Merlin people, the Merlin uh -huh. people, they go back to, to the Tuatha de Dunan um, in Ireland and um, the, the children of Danu. And so we're, we're way, we're way pre-Christian at this point. Mm -hmm. Now and we're going into mythology here. Yeah. So, so people say, Dive is in. this true? You know, who, who, know, who knows what the facts are exactly? But mm -hmm. um, there's something because what we start to work with are major archetypes. So, you're, so let's say you're working with Merlin archetype. And let's say the archetype we might know also is Demeter. So 
mother archetype. Now she's ancient, obviously an ancient archetype. So are they real? Of course, of course. And Merlin's been around for what, 10,000 years or so. <laughs> so yeah. they're, they're more ancient than we are. So when, when we start to, what I like to do is I like to go to the places where these, um, where these beings are known, these deities, different deities, and stand on the earth. So I started doing it, oh my gosh, I think it was 35 years ago when, when I was given the Overseas Research Award. And at that point, I, I had no idea. I, I knew I had heard of W.B. Yeats and I'd heard of Lady Gregory. That was about it. And I thought I would go and there'd be this huge museum. And instead, I, I, I went and there were a lot of sheep that were blocking the road and <laughs> some people on tractors that had to wave down. And, and I found these, they're called the thin places. They're the, they're the ancient places. And, you know, when we, when we start to work with a... Um, a bardic sensibility or a mythic sensibility. You can, you can have something, it's termed ontological shock. You might've heard that expression, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but all of a sudden we might face with, we, we don't think real or we don't think um, could possibly be true. And what happens when you go to old cairns, I don't know if you've had these experiences, but you go to old cairns and, you know, Stonehenge or Newgrange. Or, there's one in the north of France too, a wonderful stone circle in, in yeah. Brittany, I believe. Um, yes. So you go to these places, right? And um, all of a sudden you're aware that there are, other, there are other presences. There's something that's happening and that the world is very animated. So if you keep visiting... You have to, at some point, I had to give up my materialistic worldview <laughs> and start to realize that you know, the and some of these ancient beings, um, the Tuatha, actually actually really understood some truths that we lost. And, you know, they, they were really lost, I think, during the Roman invasion. And, well, and, and, is- the, and the chaos that reigned, at, reigned right. afterward, too, you know. Um, but when you go back to the places, it's still there. We might be here now in, in 2019, but you can walk to that place and suddenly you can shift through time layers. And when you sh- shift through those layers, you can go into the future too. But, you, you know, and obviously we're, we're in a poetic, mythic mindset. We're not working with the 3D here. We start opening to other realms, opening. Some people call it the imagination, but... But as you really work with it, realize, ah, actually what we're doing, yes, we're using the imagination, but we're consciously dreaming. And as we do that, sometimes the other worlds will open to us. And what I've been noticing and going back to these sites most recently is that these sites are becoming really activated in a way I've never seen before. And um, a lot of dowsers and a lot of people who were sensitive are also talking about this. So, Whatever's happening on the planet, there's a shaking, there's an awakening, there's something going on. And I think if we can listen to it, it serves us. And um, so can right. the, the feminine, go ahead and say. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, the just, feminine, I wanted to just mention that, you know, obviously this is something that when you are at these sites and... Uh, you know, also when you go to the sites in Egypt or, you know, sites that are just really sacred, uh, yes, there is uh, an energy, a presence. There is a reason why these sites were built there. But uh, not everyone has the ability to go there. Now, 
be, after the break, I want to talk about how can we tune into what you experienced at these sites and what you learned at these sites uh, through your books and what can they teach us about that topic, that resurrection of the Divine Feminine. We will be right back after the break. Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy Obear. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy Obear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. Knowledge Book Radio with Marge Potasik has a special gift for everyone out there. To receive three chapters of the Knowledge Book as a special gift, send your email to mmjp99 at gmail.com. That's M as in Mary, M as in Mary, JP99 at gmail.com now to receive this fabulous, fabulous gift of the Knowledge Book. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit JenRoyster.com for more information. Are you new to playing with the law of attraction or a seasoned pro looking for an easy and organized way to monitor your co-creation endeavors as you draw them from the immaterial planes into your physical reality? Then join me over at goldenotter.us for bi-monthly new and full moon rituals where we plant seeds of intention, then harvest the fruits of our desires as part of a dynamic community in the members-only Lunar Manifestations Forum. I'm Autumn Seibel, host of Golden Otter Radio, where the metaphysical beats the mainstream, and I can't wait to meet you. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Are you done being afraid to jump into the life that's waiting for you? Are you ready for a real shift? I invite you to tune in every Tuesday with me, Tracy L, on the Tracy L. Clark Show, where we will teach you how to live your extraordinary life. At 8 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio, where I will provide the tools and the steps needed to help you transcend perceived limitations and move forward with an extraordinary life. For more information, visit me at tracylclark.com. Welcome back to Empowerment Radio. I'm here with my guest, Dr. Ayn Kate Sullivan, who is the author of several books about the goddesses and heroines of the Celtic and Irish and the Isle 
culture. And uh, but what we really want to talk about is that there are deeper learnings and lessons and teachings from those stories and from those uh, uh, heroines and goddesses, and and that they can help us now during a time where we are at a tipping point, as we all know, on whether we're going to, as maybe a species, get erased or whether we're just going to turn it all around and create more harmony with each other, with nature, with the earth. And and so I want to ask you, and is there a specific goddess or heroine that for you stands out, that you feel like, well, her qualities are especially right now pertinent during this time? What would you say? Well, we've been speaking about Danu. She's one of the most ancient mother goddesses. Um, she's, she's a very important one. But I want to bring another one in too. And she, she's rather spicy. Her name is the Kaliach. And um, sometimes called Koilak, but Kaliach. And um, she's the old woman of the world. And sometimes if you're on a heroine's quest, you go looking for her. And so she's quite famous in Scotland and Ireland and Wales. And, and you usually go looking for her when, when something isn't right. And because she's frightening. She's the ugly old hag. She's the witch. She's the, she's the goddess of sovereignty, really. And when you, when you go looking for her, she, she only reveals herself if it's time. And a lot of times you might meet her when you're really, when you really have some reverence. And what we're talking about is meeting Gaia, the archetype of Gaia, that mother mm -hmm. earth. Mm -hmm. and, it, and there are places where you can crawl on your belly into these ancient cairns and you can put your back up against the stones and you can say, mother, I want to dream with you. Show me how to dream with you. Let me hear you. Let me feel you. Let me smell you, taste you. Let me be. Let me be in alignment with you, so I can walk with you. It's a very beautiful thing to do. Mm. And so, this is something that she's teaching, or you could say, her teachings are that that dreaming, that listening, that, that going inside, because all these archetypes are basically aspects of ourselves as well, male. And female. So what would you yeah. say is the aspect inside that gets, you know, activated through that archetype? Her her story is the, the last one in Legends of the Grail. And if, if you when you read the story, it's the it's the young maiden who goes looking for her. And and in the story, she actually keeps meeting these men and she's making love with these men, but she doesn't realize that the Kaliach is also these men. <laughs> she's making love with all these different forms of the old woman of the world who finally reveals herself as the totality of the human experience. But um, yeah, she's, um, she's wonderful to go to um, in, in the Celtic tradition. Quite often people will go during Samhain or during Halloween, uh, the 31st of October to the 2nd of November. And they would crawl into these, these, um, Cairns or long barrows to, um, to actually speak to the dead. And that was part of the dreaming with the earth. It's like, how are we going to dream through the winter months? How are we going to dream in through the crisis, through despair, through um, you know, the fact that we're all mortal, at least physically? And how do we dream through that? And what happens? What happens when we die? What happens if we do destroy this planet and we all, you know, have to 
walk elsewhere. And that's where maybe Danu comes in handy. But the, the uh, Legends of the Grail begins with Danu understanding that a time is coming where the actually the patriarchy is coming. And um, the Miles, she's going to have to go underground and she's going to have to take her daughters with her. And so the, the book actually begins that way of the sorrow of, of, of the, you know, the necessity of leaving Middle Earth and going into this she realm, the middle realm, that lower worlds, where they can continue to live, but, and they can continue with their values of life and supporting the planet. Now, the she, are she real? I think archetypally, they're definitely real. And if you go to this, some of these places, you'll feel this, the, uh, you'll feel the presence of the, the, of the she or the fairy folk. So I would say they are real. And, um, and that they're, a lot of these places, if, if you do the practices in the book, I have a lot of uh, practices with trees. And one way to really begin to tap into the earth and how to live into alignment with, like, let's say we want right now, let's just, we're just going to decide we want it, we want life, not death. What if we just decide we're not going to destroy the planet? We're not going to destroy each other. We're actually going to live. Let's have a golden age instead. And so one way to do that is to go to a tree that you really love and to, and to know, you, you know, you can look at it and spark and solid, but you can enter your mythic imagination and you go to the tree and there's a doorway, maybe, if you're lucky, there's a doorway and it might, it might have stairs that lead down to this other realm and there might be some animals waiting there for you or a, a guide that will take you on an adventure and show you about your life and what is important for you, what's next. So, you know, the, these sorts of mythic journeys open mm. the world, the world of the, the imaginal, the world of the animated world, but it's also called life. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, you just got, uh, I just lost you for a second. These sort of oh. mythic journeys, you said? Yes. So the mythic journeys lead us to life, to the mm -hmm. culture of life. And that's what's so beautiful. Now, let's say, for example, a man or a woman, they want to find more of the that kernel of maybe dormant divine feminine power, sacred feminine, whatever you want to call it. How would they even look for it? What would you say are things that you identify as this is what this uh, sacred feminine is all about? What are those qualities? So I'm going to answer it indirectly, but I used to take women to the Chalice Well in Glastonbury. Mm -hmm. I, I tried to take women. What I discovered very quickly is it never works only to take women because the men are just as interested as the women. So when we're, when we're working with, you know, women want to develop their inner Merlin and men want to develop their inner Danu. So um, my son was one of the first ones that was like, mother, I am coming on these adventures. I don't really care what you say. I am with you. And so, um, so, so we've always, I had a, I've had a large basketball players and football players and all kinds of men coming. And, and yes, they do. I, I think for men, I'm actually working on Kings and Heroes right now because I think they're, it's just as, as important now for men to understand what a leader is. And there's something lovely in the Celtic tradition there. Um, so we're talking about the Kalia and the, and the goddess of sovereignty. Now in the Celtic tradition, 
if a man wanted to rule but king if a man wanted to rule as a king or a leader he could only do so if his woman deemed it so so we have the story in the book of the kuhulan of havna and he wants to marry emer but he can't do that until he goes to skyach and he and he finds his magic so for men the feminine the 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 quest is really about finding your magic mm. and it comes from it comes the magic does come from the feminine and by magic i mean how to cast a glamour how to listen to the wind how to how to develop the clairvoyance the clairsentience the clairaudience and and i love coming out and i see some man who's just been completely in rejection of this whole thing you know this is this is ridiculous this is make believe you know with his arms wrapped around a tree crying saying the tree is real i know the tree is real <laughs> you know so you see the transformation and it's so lovely because like my husband's a ex-middle linebacker he played with the jets and <laughs> we go on quests together and it's it's so lovely when i see him open like he calls it his um you know when he finds her goddess because all of a sudden we can dance together we can really have a deep uh mutually loving relationship mm. and um so the so the queen deems it so the queen says now and the reason that's important is because the the woman that's hopefully some deep feeling would understand how someone would lead. Now, of course, you, it doesn't have to be male, female. You can swap that too. But the point is, is that that when you're divine feminine, you can really empower the masculine and the masculine. And together, you don't create a wasteland. When the man tries to rule by himself, you, in all throughout all Celtic mythology, you create a wasteland. You create despair. When they rule together, when the king and queen rule together, you create Camelot. You create you create the other a wonderful heaven on earth basically or seros here and um so so rules by herself well uh danu when danu comes in she's in the celtic tradition the the first being that appears is almost always female so and then she creates the world um when speaking um like we have queen maeve but they always, you know, the Celts weren't, they liked sex, you know, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't prudish. They always wanted a lover. And, um, but when the queen ruled, if the true queen, like Maeve, the queen Maeve um, was, was the, for a long time. If you wanted to be king, you had to find Queen Maeve and you had to make love with her. And if she wouldn't make love with you, you were toast, you know, you weren't, you weren't getting anywhere. So um, how do we pull that into this this day and age? This day and age is, it's just, you know, I, I see you. I see your beautiful qualities. I see your, your Merlin archetype. And then you, maybe you see me. So it's, so we're seeing each other with mutual respect and understanding. Yeah. We come right back after a break. There is so much more to talk about. And so please stay tuned. buzz for life buzzed off feeling ignored invisible and wondering if this is really all there is the years go by faster as we gain momentum you're halfway there are you gathering speed or puttering out hit your stride for the liberating half of life 
comfortable in your skin? You can do better than that. Tune in to Discovering You Again Radio every fourth Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as host Susan Axelrod encourages listeners to decide what they want, get inspired to action, and face challenges head on. Host Susan Axelrod pulls no punches, encouraging you to grab the brass ring and soar. For more information about Susan, go to www.whatwillyourlegacybe.com. Are you ready to create a life you'll really love? Then you'll want to tune in to the hit show Life Design Radio from Adversity to Awesome with Susan DiLorenzo. Live each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. No matter where you are in your adversity story, Life Design Radio has got you covered. Get ready to feel inspired, enlightened, and motivated. For more information about working with Susan, visit SusanDiLorenzo.com. Learn to live in the light and unveil the authentic you with a time of healing radio with me, Felistiana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in every third Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as I help listeners understand sacred fusion energy and how to connect to the spirit that fuels the very life we live. Explore the journey of spiritual transcendence and ultimately discover the path to peace, love, purpose, and wholeness. For more information, visit atimeofhealing.com. Dream on, lie high, and live adventurously on The Laura Meeks Show. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as host Laura Meeks guides you in finding your unique gifts and bringing them to life. As a certified life coach, speaker, and veteran bomber pilot for the U.S. Air Force, Laura knows how to follow a dream. She is ready to support you so you can dream on, fly high, and live adventurously. For more information on Laura and her work, visit flyhighliving.com. People often ask, what does it mean to thrive? On Thrive by Gen Radio, it means body confidence, mind fulfillment, and soul synchronicity. Create synchronicity with God and learn as Jen shares action steps and real stories that will inspire you to be unstoppable in fulfilling your purpose. Tune in live each Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com and visit JenniferZellup.com to thrive with Jen. Welcome back to Empowerment Radio. Now, and I have to say, one of the aspects of uh, the beautiful feminine that you are beautifully representing is that you are speaking in spirals. <laughs> and, uh, and as a man, I'm certainly much more like <laughs> going in the arrow form. So I have to really ask you about this, what I in the break mentioned, this, uh, this quest for that feminine essence that I believe men and women are no longer in touch with. And in the break, we talked about why. And and part of the reason is that we do live in an external-focused world, and we live in a very busy world. And especially women have been forced to not only uh, raise kids or 
you know, be uh, basically uh, women that have four or five different jobs all at the same time. It's it's a very competitive and confusing state of being for all of us, but especially also for women. And there is something that just is getting lost. And that what you described in the break is that that looking inside and finding there something, all of us, we can find something that is of enormous power. So, so talk a little bit more about that. So I'll just tell you about my own personal experience, which might which might help. So when I when I started this heroines quest, I was a, a professor. A, well, I was teaching at King's College London. I was complete academic. And had everything going for me. Had an overseas research award. Everything was paid for. And I was depressed. I was really depressed. And there was no reason for me to be, to be depressed. I just felt disconnected. And I started longing to find the feminine face of the divine. And it just it wouldn't let me go. And I would tell my different spiritual teachers, my mentor, and they would say, oh, God's everything. Why are you so worried about this? I was like, because I've developed strength, I've developed brilliancy, I've developed willpower, but there's something I haven't developed. And I think it has to do with love and compassion and relationship and life, you know, just giving birth to life and being connected to nature. Somehow I'm not in touch with that. And so against everybody's advice, I went to, to Glastonbury and I sat by the well. There's this very special well there. I don't know if you've been, it's called the Chalice Well. And I spent have you been there? Yes. It's lovely. And I sat there and I sat there. I went for a whole week and I just kept going to this well. And I'm like, I really, really, really want to know the face of the divine. And I, and I don't want to just know it intellectually. I want to feel it. I want to feel the mother, the black face of the mother. And there was a particular day I was meditating. And I'm sure if anybody was looking at me, I looked like I was sitting by the well. But what was happening that I could smell roses. I could feel a presence. I felt a very strong presence. I got shivers all over. And I realized that this, that this feminine, this divine feminine was letting herself be known. But it was very subtle. I had to, you know, I, I felt like I could hear her. But then, you know, I was worried at the time. Am I making things up? And then I thought, well, it doesn't matter for making it up. This is wonderful. <laughs> and so I started to to allow myself to feel this deep presence. And then it so for the past 30 years, I've gone back to that spot. And then I've allowed that presence to take me somewhere. And I usually find if, if you want to feel the presence of the divine feminine, you go to a spot, a sacred place. And then you can get to know that energy. Uh, you know, the, the feminine has is like, if you think about Durga for a minute in, in Hindu mythology, she's riding on the back of a lion and she has eight arms. And so she's a multitasker. And I, I think the goddess is a multitasker. So, so even when I was doing this, I had a, you know, a young daughter and um, was working as an editor and it had all kinds of things going on. But you can still, you can still develop your connection to the in world even while you're doing dishes or changing diapers or whatnot. But so, so, so to be really specific. Sorry, how do you ahead. connect when you're, you said a sacred spot, but let's say you're living in the middle of a big city and there is no sacred spot in sight. What do you do? So, so I think this is important. When you first, when you first 
feel that kind of presence. I call it true nature. When you feel, really feel that the first time, it's like nectar. It's like honey. So you, you, it, it just fills you up. It's so delicious. But at first, I could only experience it when I was sitting with my eyes closed in a sacred. And mm. so for me, that's what worked. Then I realized over time that I could get up and I could move with the energy. And so at that point, whether I was in London or New York or Paris or wherever, India, I could still, I could still feel that presence. And, but I had to really work on it. And so every morning when I went up in the morning, I would sit, I would sit in meditation for maybe 15 minutes or so to make sure I was in alignment with it. And then at that point, move forward. So I, there is a practice, you know, you have to, you have to want to enter this, the, the world, the mythic imagination. You have to want to meet Merlin. You have to want to meet the cosmic mother. If you do, if you really long for that, it comes, it shows up somewhere, somehow. And if you can't get to Glastonbury, um, it can show up right, you know, in your own yard. If you have your feet. I, now I go out every morning. I put my, my feet on the earth. I, I'm in Virginia right now. I put my feet on the earth and I just sing. I just sing and I, tu- I turn in a spiral. You talk about spirals and the bees will come and the butterflies will come and birds start singing. And I, okay, I'm attuned. I'm, I'm attuned. Here it is. So I'm consciously entering culture of life. I might get caught up in, in sometime during the day in culture of death, but at least I can notice the difference. I can go, oh, wait, you know, what am I doing? I'm really being dualistic here. I'm, I'm uh, entering sort of war with someone. Stop, stop, stop. And then go back into this slower, it's a slower way of being. Ah, okay. Let me be, let me be in with my in world. Aha, I'm feeling love. I'm feeling compassion. My, my mythic imagination. Okay. Let's move forward. So question for you. Did I, did I, have I answered your question? You were semi-spiralist, so very good. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) But I do have, you know, an empowerment radio, it's really all about also helping people that don't have necessarily you know, the means, the abilities, this environment, or not even, you know, the the spiritual beliefs to still tap into that what's hidden inside. And, you know, when you talk about this journey inwards, which is so important, when you talk about that, we have to stop looking externally and compete and go into this culture of death, but really have to go more from this inner world. And that is then what we share with the outer world. How, if you don't have this connection to the goddess, if you don't really go into the mythology, how can you still find that what certainly is inside all of us, that ability to be in the footsteps of the divine? What what would you suggest? Well, the old bards all knew 250 stories of their people. And the reason they, they knew the stories before they became Ovates, before they became Druids, is that they knew people needed stories. That's why the stories are here. And we have Audible and we have books and we have different ways where we can allow ourselves to listen to the story or read a story. Mm-hmm. Dishes you can listen to a story. And you, can, you don't have to believe anything. You don't have to believe there's a goddess. You don't have to believe, you don't have to believe. But what you might have to do is let go of your 
belief systems. You might have to let go of the box that you might have found yourself in. The ego really likes to con constrain us, you know. So we might have to let go of a few things and just come like a wondrous child, just like a child listening to a fairy tale, huh, and be curious about it. And then we can do dishes, we can change diapers, we can listen to Merlin about Merlin, we can listen to the stories of um, the first woman to achieve the Holy Grail. And then that inspires because we think, oh my goodness, you know, I might be stuck here in this particular difficult situation. But look at Kesar. I mean, Kesar is a wonderful example. She was the granddaughter of Noah, who wasn't in the right lineage and she wasn't invited to board the ark. So what do you do? Do you die? No, you build your own ark at sail. <laughs> So, <laughs> so what I love about the characters is, is that they figure things out. You know, they, they, so if we go into our end world, if we practice within, we have a difficult situation. And there's another character, Blue Diawith, who's, who's being an adulteress and a murderer. She learns how to forgive. Like her, her main practice is forgiveness because, you know, she doesn't want to drag around heavy suitcases and cloaks and identities and labels. So she drops all of that off and she chooses again. And so mm. I think each, each of the characters reminds us that this quality is lovely and empowering and, and, and reminds us that, yes, there are lineage for all of us. Uh, and, and we can choose again too. We can choose culture of life. We don't, we're, we're actually ultimately the, the authors of our own lives. We might not be always in charge of what happens to us, but we're definitely in charge of how we tell the story about it. So if you would, as a person, choose the culture of life, what would you say on a day-to-day -day basis you would choose differently? So instead of, let's say, you know, you said rushing through the day and having wars with your neighbors, you would maybe more slow down and forgive or be more compassionate as an example, but what other examples have you? So funny because I talked the other day with a client who exactly told me about, you know, his way of living, which was much more about competing and winning and being on top and making sure that, you know, the competition gets annihilated. And so that's certainly more that culture of death that you're describing. So what would you say is a culture of a day in a culture of life like? That's a, that's a really good question. So, so we've, been we've been taught sort of through the Rome, our Roman examples to divide and conquer and that, you know, win-lose, we've been taught the win-lose model. And we, I think what we're discovering is win-lose doesn't actually work, that the only thing that really works is win-win. And that doesn't also mean that we're, that we're doormats, that we can be walked over. I mean, look at some of the goddesses like Skyach, she can kill someone pretty quickly, you know. She, so I think that, I mean, we, we, are, we have to defend ourselves at times. But the culture of life, what does that look like? It looks like, let's give a day. You get up in the morning, the sun's rising, and there's a lovely tale about riding on the swan through the night. And you've gone through the night, and you've gathered all the pieces of your soul, and you've come back, and you're opening your eyes, and... It's a miraculous day. We get, we get a day on earth. How, how amazing, how amazing that we can be here and to have life. Life is a miracle. We, and you know, it's, it doesn't last that long. So fantastic. We have this particular point in time. Mm 
We can get up, we can go outside, we can put our feet on the soil, we can thank everything in existence for being here supporting us, right? We can sing, we can sing, sing to the wind, to the birds that fly, to the animals that walk on the earth, to the fish that swim in the water, to, to the guardians that are with us, and we can attune to that. And that's, that's actually to attune to that because all of a sudden we're not alone anymore. We have allies. Hmm. Then if you have to go out and um, I'm quite ambitious myself. I love writing books and winning awards and, and, and doing all sorts of things. You, but when you go, when you go forward, I remember going, going to go do my, my doctoral thesis, which in England is, 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 is quite difficult. But when I went in, I was like, I had all of my allies with me. And I knew that they were going to support me in, become, in, in being successful with what I needed to do. So what I'm feeling with the culture of life is not who I need to destroy or who I need to, to stomp over. No, not at all. What I'm feeling is my particular life force, what it is within me that wants to unfurl. I'm a, you know, like a tree. I'm a seed and I have a particular uh, blueprint that wants to unfold. Mm-hmm. And Am I actually unfolding? Am I dreaming with the earth and unfolding perfectly as my own unique being? We're all different. We're all completely different. We wouldn't unfold in the same way. And so obviously you wouldn't let someone hurt that blueprint. That wouldn't be what we would do. But we would do our best to support each other's blueprint so we all together become a beautiful forest. You know, forest, in a forest, there the trees support the tree, the forest supports, you know, the ferns and the flowers and everything. So we can live like that. We don't have to, it doesn't help us to, to be better than or, or, or to dominate. How does that help? It doesn't. Yeah. You know, and I think the, the challenge for us humans is that we do often, unfortunately, overthink and not necessarily just allow to be. Mm. A tree or a cat or a bird, they certainly have it easier because they do live more in their instinctual truth. There is not necessarily a second guessing. There is not the idea of, well, should I do more? Should I have more? What about them? They are doing better. That's not fair. So we have to also tame our minds. And so that's why I'm wondering, like, you know, these practices that you're describing, this introspection, this journeying into the mythology which is kind of like shamanic journeying that this is really connecting you then to those resources that allow you just to to be and to unfold versus having to run strive plan and conquer it's a different way of of being because the the way we're i call it the p that's just what i could the pea is when we're in our tight constricted self and we think we're lost and we think that we have no hope and we think that we're, we're cut adrift. That we, and then there, there's that moment, that moment, that moment that happens and all of a sudden, oh, I'm actually not a P. I'm an essence. I'm connected mm-hmm. to essence. I'm actually a pearl. I'm actually a pearl. And everything around me is helping me just polish, polish me up so, so that I can actually become who I am. But it, it is, again, it's a practice and it's a mindset. If we practice it, is, and it is very shamanic in a way, uh, where we're we're going inside, we're finding we're finding what empowers us, what our own particular truths. We're not imposing that on any anyone else, but.
but we're inviting we're inviting a discussion. We're we're, defi- we're inviting an unfoldment, and it's much more powerful. True nature, you know. If, if you look at this this acorn, it's going to grow into an oak tree. You know, you, it's not going to be a blade of grass. This, that's what it's going to be. And we're not really so different. We think we think we are, but if you can really spend time today, maybe go go and put your back up against a, a beautiful tree and just feel it. That tree's been in that spot for a long time, and it knows the soil, it knows the land, it knows the roots, it knows the sky, and it might know more than we do. <laughs> well, I certainly love all the trees around us, and uh, thank you for reminding me to uh, to lean against one of them again. But uh, how do people find you? Because this is such a fascinating conversation, and uh, I love your your work. So, if, what if people want to know more about you? Where do they go? Uh, you can go. My website is easy. It's A Y N, and there are not too many A Y N. Anne Kate Sullivan or Anne Kate Sullivan. Com, and people want to go questing, or if some people are writing books, or some people are studying legends. All my books are listed too, and you can find my books just about anywhere on on um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and um, Facebook, Twitter, and so forth. So just A Y N. C-A-T-E-S-S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N. And I hope you join Quest and make this shift, you know, allow this wondrous child to come forth, throw off the pee, throw off the, the suit of armor, go ahead and throw it off and just see what's there because you might just find a shining light inside. Mm, that's beautiful. <laughs> Now, we only have like one or two minutes left, so... What I'm wondering is, you know, from from your personal experience, you know, when you go maybe into the ego or the overambitious self, what's the easiest way to get yourself back in touch with, let's say, your true nature? Uh, when I, all of a sudden, I know that I'm out when I become judgmental and mm-hmm. self-critical. That's, I immediately know I'm out. Stop. Stop. Close my eyes. If I can, I take my shoes off and I go stand on the grass. And that's the, the easiest way for me to, to look around, to look at the trees, put my back against a tree. <sighs> the, the druids, you know, they were called the druids because they were the people of the oaks. They were the, if you find a nice oak tree and just put yourself back up against it for a minute, find your strength through the tree. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not cut adrift. I'm not a little boat flying around. I'm actually connected to an amazing world. And I'm, I'm part of that wondrous, intelligent being. And what do you do if you live in a high rise? I have. I went to Columbia University. So I lived in New York City for a while. And um, you get, well, what I did when I lived in New York is I became really imaginative. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in, in the books and <laughs> I read a lot. And, um, but you can also go, you know, you can go to Central Park and you can also get a little tree and have it in your room. Go get a little ficus tree or a spider yeah. plant or something. There are ways to connect. And if you're up high, you can talk to the birds. You, know, you can get really, really well acquainted with the air. So. so there are always ways for us to connect, reconnect, remember. And uh, like you said, Remember that we are the pearl, which I just love as an image. And uh, 
and see life more as this magical unfoldment and this journey that it's supposed to be and no longer as the war zone or the conquest that we are told it needs to be. Well, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation and time. And uh, is there any little um, you know, summary of what you would say you want to leave the listeners with? I would say it's okay to be a fool. It's okay to be a wondrous child. It's okay to throw off all these things that we've been taught and to look again. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. And this was it for Empowerment Radio. Quite a mystical and magical show today. Take good care and try to lean at those trees. And remember, <laughs> goodbye. You've been listening to Empowerment Radio with Dr. Friedman Schaub. Join Dr. Friedman every first and third Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern as he addresses some of the most prevailing challenges of our daily lives. To learn more about how Dr. Friedman's personal breakthrough program can help you overcome fear, anxiety, and low self-esteem, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. <laughs>